0: Last week, Ohioans approved Proposition 1, a ballot measure adding reproductive rights to the state's constitution. As you might recall, Michigan passed a similar measure last year, Prop 3. The other big storyline from
1: last night, Michigan voters passing Prop 3.
2: The measure will legalize abortion in the state, essentially giving people the same rights they had under Roe v. Wade. But access to
0: abortion isn't just about keeping it legal. There are a whole slew of barriers that can make it difficult for someone to end a pregnancy. Costs, waiting periods, paperwork, just to name a few. Today we're talking about abortion access, the Reproductive Health Act, and what all this means for the people seeking care. This is Stateside, I'm April Baer. Who better to talk about all this than Kate Wells, our health reporter here at Michigan Radio. We asked her to come and join us in person at the studio. Kate, hi. Hey, April. So in Michigan's experience, it's been a year since Prop 3 passed. The legislature has been changing some of the rules surrounding abortion clinics and access to procedures. What do you see as the difference in access in clinics versus a year ago? What did the doctors that you talked to have to say
2: about this? Yeah, so I think what I came to understand from talking with these doctors and from listening to testimony in in Lansing about this is that Prop 3 creates a right to abortion on paper, which is not to minimize it, right? That is literally what a vote does is it creates a constitutional right. But what we are learning is that what happens after a big vote like that, that's what defines what that right actually means. And doctors will tell you, doctors who are providing abortions will tell you that the experiences for their patients today really don't look that different now than they were a year ago. They have the assurance that abortion is going to stay legal in Michigan, but their ability to access abortion is not all that different. Here's what I mean. Doctors I talked with and who testified described patients who, because abortion is not covered by insurance in Michigan, are so worried that they're not going to be able to afford their abortions, which start at like five Hundred bucks, but can go well over a thousand. That they stay up the entire night before their appointment driving DoorDash so that they will have enough cash. Planned Parenthood of Michigan says they have to turn away an average of about 150 patients each month from their own appointments because those patients make a mistake or they don't know about these mandatory online forms that you have to sign and print within a very specific timeframe and how that can mean significant delays. It's not like you can just necessarily reschedule for the next day. You may be on a wait list for weeks. And if somebody's got to catch their flight to Texas later that night or they have life threatening health concerns that are the reason they're having to end this pregnancy in the first place. These are major issues. Okay. So this was why
0: Democrats who are in the majority in the legislature, why they introduced what's called the Reproductive Health Act, right? I mean, they claimed this legislation was going to eliminate those barriers and really put Prop 3 into practice, but they couldn't get all of it passed. Kate, can you remind us which part of the RHA were approved?
2: Yeah, so these have not gone into effect yet because they've just recently been passed by the legislature. But the legislation that was passed most recently in Lansing, would do two things. One, it would allow private insurers to cover abortion, which is a big one. Something like 97% of the abortions in Michigan last year were not covered by insurance. And what you have to do currently if you want your private health insurance to cover abortion is you or your employer has to purchase in advance this special elective abortion rider. Democrats have criticized this as saying, like, that's essentially requiring someone to have rape insurance. Regardless, this will allow private insurers to cover abortion without that additional rider. The second big thing that passed is a bill that will remove regulations on abortion clinics themselves, remove regulations on these actual facilities. Kate, the regulation on the clinics were things that were
0: passed under Governor Rick Snyder's leadership back in 2012, right? I mean, right. that the kind of thing where clinics that do more than 120 procedural abortions every year need to be licensed as a surgery center. And these are the ones that abortion advocates say are not medically important, that they're onerous and meant to shut clinics down. But abortion opponents say they're actually helping to make sure the patients are safe,
2: that these regulations need to be in place. Yeah, that's exactly how we saw both sides frame this issue, especially in the hearing around this in Lansing. And what really became clear is that there are even lawmakers in Lansing who don't really understand how abortion works, how it's regulated. I don't think anybody who watched those live streamed hearings will forget when Dr. Chrisman at one point had to gently correct a Republican lawmaker that actually, no, abortions don't require incisions because the uterus has a natural opening, the cervix. And the overwhelming medical and scientific research does show that abortion is safe. Abortions have fewer complications than wisdom tooth removal. So the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering and Medicine, they have issued these expert research opinions saying you don't need to do abortions in a surgery center. They can be safely done in an office based setting. I want to talk about the two
0: major parts of the Reproductive Health Act that did not pass. There's a 24-hour mandatory waiting period that Democratic leaders didn't have the votes to eliminate and, and the online paperwork that comes with it. Also, Democrats were not able to get support for allowing state Medicaid dollars to cover abortion
2: care. Why not? Because there weren't enough Democrats who were willing to go for those things. And I'm I'm told it was more than just one. We've heard a lot about Democratic state representative Karen Whitsett, who talked about this publicly, her opposition to both of those things. But with Medicaid especially, leadership says it was more than one Democrat who was worried about that. And abortion rights opponents, you know, correctly point out that Michigan voters upheld a ban on state dollars for abortion funding way back in 1988. And the impact here, though, may be that you could have created two different tiers of abortion access if you've got one for people with private insurance and one for those on public insurance on Medicaid. And it is likely that abortion rights advocates will try and use that to challenge this in court to say under Prop 3, that's unconstitutional. We need to take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from abortion rights advocates
0: and opponents. Stay with us.
1: Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org.
3: Support for the stateside podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu.
0: We're going to do something a little bit different for the rest of the pod today. We'll hear from two new people on what this moment means to them, one year after Prop 3. The first person you're going to hear opposes abortion rights, and the second works for Planned Parenthood of Michigan. Reporter Kate Wells is still here to give us some context on both of their responses. We spoke recently with Genevieve Marnon. She's the legislative director for Right to Life of Michigan. And we were asking her about whether her work has changed in this post-Dobbs, post-Prop 3 era in Michigan. Was there anything that surprised her? Let's listen back to what she said.
3: Um, the only thing that really surprised me was Representative Karen Witset's stance on the Reproductive Health Act, Uh, pleasantly surprised, I would say, you know, making a monumental abortion decision. She believes that women should have 24 hours to consider the information prior to making that decision. And she felt the taxpayers should not be funding abortion through their Medicaid dollars. So and she indicated she was not the only uh, the only one that felt that way. Right.
0: Genevieve, given that the the conversation in Lansing has switched to some things around the regulation of abortion procedures. Can you tell me about your priorities looking into 2024 and the next session?
3: Well, I think our priorities for sure are going to be really digging in deep and trying to maintain parental rights as it relates to the abortion decision. One of the things that was not included in the Reproductive Health Act this time around, it had been included in previous versions, was a repeal of the parental consent for abortion law. And we have polling, recent polling, that shows 70% of Michiganders, including a large percentage of people who voted for Prop 3, really do want parental rights retained as it relates to their minor daughter's abortion decision.
0: Having the poll is, is, you know, is definitely something that people pay attention to, but do you think that, that voters will be motivated to think about this in, in terms of that, level of that level of detail on the issue?
3: You know, I think the fact that the proponents of the Reproductive Health Act, the sponsors of it, realized that parental rights were a big deal. Uh, So much so that they, they themselves said that they did not have the political willpower to repeal the parental consent for abortion law this year. I think that that speaks volumes, regardless of the polls.
0: That's Genevieve Marnin of Right to Life of Michigan. Kate Wells, so we just heard her say that she really thinks parental consent for abortion care for minors is something that's going to have traction. I mean, is that consistent with what you've seen reporting on reproductive issues? Is there disagreement
2: among Democrats on this? Oh, yeah. I mean, Marnin is completely right. Democrats... We did not even want to touch this with a 10-foot pole after the Prop 3 campaign last year. We saw a lot of messaging from abortion rights opponents who were saying, look, if Prop 3 passes, parents are going to lose this requirement that minors have to get consent from a parent or seek a judicial waiver in order to get an abortion. And they also tied Prop 3 in terms of parents' involvement to the larger national debate that we've seen about parental involvement in transgender health care as well. And that appears to be very effective for exactly the reasons that Marnin is saying. Democrats told me, Democratic leadership told me that they intentionally did not include removing the parental consent requirement in this legislation this year because they simply felt that that messaging had been effective. We also spoke with Genevieve Marnin
0: about some of the direct action that's been happening in among abortion opponents this month. Let's listen.
3: So, yeah, we had the first ever Michigan March for Life. 5,000 people braved the, the pouring rain and came out and joyfully advocated for life. It was really a, quite an amazing scene. It was beautiful. And almost on cue, the rain stopped right at the beginning of the rally at 11 o'clock. So that was such a cool thing. And our president of Right to Life, Barbara Listing, did announce that Right to Life of Michigan, along with 15 other plaintiffs, have joined a federal lawsuit, a federal civil rights lawsuit, challenging Proposition 3 um, at the federal constitutional level. So that was just announced on Wednesday.
0: We'll be following this lawsuit in the months to come for sure. Kate Wells, Let's bring this conversation back around to what's been happening among abortion rights supporters, now that we've heard a little bit about abortion opponents. It feels like this has been a real roller coaster. The passage of Prop 3 in Michigan was a huge deal, I mean, to have this language in the state's constitution. But from what you told us about what's been going on in Lansing, trying to interpret that, is it fair to say that it has not been a super smooth year for abortion rights advocates? 100%
2: 100% fair. I think they would say that themselves. And I I, I was also going back to, to what Genevieve Marnon is saying. I was at that rally in Lansing and you could absolutely feel the passion and the desire to organize, especially in response to Proposition 3. And I think that's why this fight isn't over by any means. We have Proposition 3. We have the state constitutional right to an abortion in Michigan. But each and every inch of what that means is going to be a battleground that is going to be either a political battleground in Lansing. It's going to be played out in the courts. And I think that often gets lost when we're talking about whether or not Michigan has legal abortion. It, it, It does. But we're figuring out in real time what that means. And abortion rights advocates are finding that it isn't Not going to be smooth sailing. We called up Ashley Fennessy, Chief Advocacy Officer for
0: Planned Parenthood of Michigan, to ask about what comes next for abortion providers and advocates. The RHA repealed so called trap laws. These are regulations over what kind of facilities are required for a clinic to perform procedural abortions, like we talked about earlier. Planned Parenthood of Michigan said that this was a big barrier in making procedural abortions, as opposed to medication-only abortions, available in places like West Michigan and up north. I asked Ashley what the repeal of these trap laws is going to mean for Planned Parenthood's own operations within the state.
1: So we are hoping that this will expand our ability to provide procedural abortion care at some of the health centers that we already have open, but were in the past not able to um, meet the licensing requirements that cost millions of dollars in renovations. So we are taking a look at uh, where we can expand access. I know that um, West Michigan is likely a, a top priority. So we're we're looking forward to the, to the years ahead.
0: There was a lot of opposition from uh, to removing these regulations from people in the anti-abortion advocacy movement, saying without them, clinics wouldn't be inspected; they'd be largely unregulated. Ashley, can you talk a little bit about what regulations do apply after the the surgery center license requirement is removed?
1: Sure. Yeah, and, and let's let's be honest about this. The the anti-abortion groups just don't want abortion to be accessible. So that really is what was behind this. What the RHA has done is removed these special requirements that are not medically appropriate for abortion. And they put the restrictions around licensing and health standards and what is appropriate in what setting back in the hands of physicians and the bodies that already regulate all other types of health care. One good example for you to kind of illustrate this is that procedural abortion is the same procedure that is used in miscarriage care often. And for decades, physicians were able to provide miscarriage care in an office setting. It is exactly the same procedure as procedural abortion. But for abortion care, we were forced to meet uh, all of these regulations that dictated everything from ceiling heights to hallway widths, things that had nothing to do with actual health care and everything to do with making it so expensive to build a facility to meet those requirements that it just wouldn't be available in most communities. So now with the RHA, much like you are able to access Miscarriage care from your OBGYN in an office based setting that meets, you know, all of the other health requirements typical of an office based setting. You will now be able to access procedural abortion care in an office based setting.
0: That was Ashley Fennessy of Planned Parenthood in Michigan. We're discussing this with Michigan Radio's Kate Wells. Kate, so What what kind of system are we reverting to once the RHA provisions take effect in January?
2: Yeah, so it'll essentially be like it was before 2012 in terms of how the clinics are regulated themselves. So it will be regulated the same way every other type of doctor's office is in Michigan because in Michigan, only doctors are allowed to perform abortions right now. So the people who are in charge with overseeing this is the state medical board. They are the ones who are overseeing a doctor's license, they decide who gets a license, what you gotta do to get it renewed, and they are charged with the responsibility of looking into complaints that may come up against doctors and they have the ability to remove a doctor's license to bar them from practice in Michigan if they investigate and and feel that that's reasonable. So it will will look a lot like it does for, for every other doctor's office.
0: Michigan Radio's Kate Wells. You can read her ongoing coverage at michiganradio.org. Kate, thank you. Thank you, April. And that's the Stateside Podcast. I'm April Baer. You can find full Stateside episodes at michiganradio.org. Today's pod was produced by our podcast editor, Rachel Ishikawa. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia kaban Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our intern is Olivia Meradian. Our executive producer is Laura Weber-Davis. Music for the pod comes from Blue Dot Sessions and from Audio Network. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.